you. Good morning, church. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome uh, uh, to Brandywine and those who have joined us online. Um, if you're here for the first time, we hope you feel at home. Um, the candle's lit, so we want to celebrate that. So, yeah. Last Sunday, here in our first service, last Sunday, Josh Stamper prayed with Gage and led him to Jesus. So let's celebrate with Gage. The Hope Center Indy is an amazing mission that our church supports regularly. And they're one of the few Christ-centered residential campuses here in the United States that takes girls in coming out of human trafficking. And uh, they have a brand new resident that came in this last week. Uh, she was reading the Purpose Driven Life devotional that they gave out to her. And she said, she, she's the one that initiated, said, I would like to receive Jesus into my life. So they prayed with her. Let's celebrate with that new resident. And then uh, we had a faithful uh, middle school camp this past week. Uh, seven students received Christ. Uh, and uh, Kaylee Walden, one of our uh, summer interns here, had the privilege of baptizing five of those students. So let's celebrate with Kaylee. Yeah. Doesn't get much better than that as a summer intern, huh? Well, hey, we're in week two of a new series we're calling God Is, and we're looking at the different attributes of God, who He is and, and uh, what He's like. And you know, it's so vital that you and I would understand um, and get this right in our spiritual, for our spiritual walk's sake, that we would have a right view of who God is. It was A.W. Tozier who said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I believe that's true. Uh, last week we, look at, we looked at how God is good and how God is good what? All the time and all the time God is good. That's who He is. He's just intrinsically good by nature. Today we're looking at an attribute that quite frankly is one of the most widely believed about God, uh, and yet it is one of the most doubted attributes about who He is. The fact that He is loving. He's a loving God. And more specifically, He is a God who is a loving Father. Our text today in Psalm 103, verse 13, says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And then 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So the Bible says that God is like a father, and more specific, he is a loving, and he's a loving father. And yet for many folks, those two words, loving and father, create some real challenges inside of some of us, right? Just the word father, to some of you, that's a negative term. And it brings up all kind of bad memories. 
So you're like, well, hey, if God is like my father, no thanks, right? And yet the word of God, God's truth, says that he is like a father who is tender and compassionate and that he is loving. He's a loving father. And some of us, we, did, we had a good father and others of us didn't have such a good father. Some of us had an absent father. Others of us had an angry or a domineering uh, father. Some of you had an absent dad. Uh, you know, I've been a pastor for over 37 years now. And one of the things I see most common anytime people carry certain problems in their life, one of the most common things I see is that there's an unhealthy connection to their earthly father. While some of us may have had wonderful fathers, others of us maybe here today had dads who were fickle and moody and abusive, controlling, and even violent at times. Some of you may have grown up with a father, uh, without a father in your home. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 19.7 million children live without a father in their home. That, that's more than one in four kids. It's a lot of people. And then on top of that, you add up the number of people on, who had earthly fathers who really weren't there emotionally, even though they were maybe in the home physically, they were emotionally absent. It's no wonder so many people hear the words loving father and it sounds like a contradiction. It's no wonder it causes a lot of painful, uh, carrying painful baggage. If you grew up with an earthly father who was harsh, uh, judgmental, hard to please, then why wouldn't you think that God must be an angry father too? He must just be waiting for me to mess up, you know, As, just like my earthly father. Now, if your earthly father was loving and kind and compassionate like we just read, seeing your heavenly father as kind and loving and compassionate, that, that's easy to do. But if your earthly father was unreasonable, then you may think that God is unreasonable. If your earthly father was unreliable, then you may think that God is unreliable. If you've had a hard time connecting with your earthly father, then you may just assume that it's hard to connect with God, the father. You tend to project your hurts and emotions on God, so it's, it's no wonder that you have a hard time maybe connecting with him. Misconceptions. That's what we're talking about today. Misconceptions will keep you disconnected from God. And this morning, I just want to challenge everyone in my listening voice, whether here in the auditorium today or listening online, to let go of any and all unbiblical misconceptions of who God is and believe the truth about who he is, that God absolutely loves you. That's who he is that he is a loving father and that he is for you and not against you. In the Old Testament, God is called father only seven times. 
people just didn't think of God as a father. They, they thought of him as creator, almighty one, uh, the God of Israel. But then Jesus, he comes along in the New Testament and said, call him father. Jesus uses the expression more than 150 times as he refers to God and calling God father. Jesus shattered the stereotypes about God. God is, he, what he's saying is God's not an angry tyrant. God, he's not the universal killjoy that people make him out to be. He's not impersonable. Instead, he is a personal God. And he created you with the ability to have a relationship with him. In fact, that's what he wants more than anything else is a relationship with you. Let me, let me share with you a, a great Father's Day letter that I received this week. It's from one of our members here, Brandywine. And this young lady writes, quote, I used to say I didn't have a father in my life. I didn't even know what a father was until I was 10 years old. My understanding of that word father was tied up in what I knew, which was neglect and addiction and manipulation and abuse. She says, now that I'm older, I have a relationship with God. I understand that I was actually fathered all along, along the way. She said, men right here in our church at Brandywine, Men like Chase Walden, Eric Ford, Mike Locker, who weren't related to me by blood, stepped up and chose to show me what a dad looks like. She said, they took me in, they gave me a home, they treated me with nothing but love and compassion. And the whole time, my whole life, I was loved and I was protected and I was cared for by my heavenly father. Isn't that a beautiful story? And she closed out her letter with this challenge. She says, what I want everyone to know is this, that if you don't have an earthly father who is good, you still have a heavenly father and he is good and he loves you. Amen. She closes out by saying, I want to say to all the fathers out there, if you still have a chance with your kid, take it. Put in the work to look more like the heavenly father. Be there for your kids, comfort them. Give them your time. Give them your love. You have no idea how important it is and how much of a difference it makes in a young child's life. Wow. Well, hey, this morning, if, if you have ever doubted God's love for you, it's likely because you're thinking of the wrong kind of love. Now, there are a lot of different kinds of love we could talk about today, but um, but I want to talk about two of those for the sake of this message. The first kind of love, the first type of love, if you're taking notes, is a love that loves because the object is valuable. A type of love that loves because the, the object is valuable. And this is the most common type of love. I mean, all of us are familiar with this kind of love. You love something because it's valuable to you, uh, because you worked for it because you earned it, you know? Well, I, I love that new car, I love that new home, or you love their new quartz countertops or whatever, you know? It's a love that loves because the object is valuable. The problem with this kind of love 
is that some of you here today have never felt valuable, right? You've never felt worthy. Most, most of us, I think, would agree in saying we've never measured up to our own expectations, out alone the expectations of a holy God. Am I right? And yet there's this second type of love that I want to share with uh, today. The first type, again, is, is a love that loves be because the object is valuable. But the second type of love is a love that loves and gives value to the object. It, this one gives value to the object. It's a love that loves not because the object is, is valuable, but because the one loving it gives value to it um, or to them. Now, take a moment with me here this morning and just think back when you were growing up as a little, as a child, what was your favorite cuddle toy? You know, everybody had a cuddle toy, right? I mean, it may have been uh, a stuffed bear. How many of you had a cuddle toy that was a bear? Anybody? All right. Uh, it may have been a stuffed rabbit. It may have been a blankie or whatever. I think my, uh, mine was a little yellow blankie, all right? And now I've kind of switched to a big gray blankie. Uh, but how many of you had some kind of a cuddle toy as a child? Let me see your hands all over the auditorium. All right. I appreciate you men being able to raise your hands. I know this is not real manly from Father's Day, but, but you had one. We all had one. Um, something that I think I probably know I'm guessing about your cuddle toy, as most of you probably gave it a name, right? How many of you named your cuddle toy? Yeah? All right. We don't have time to go around the room, but I would be nice to you. Another thing I'm guessing about your cuddle toy is that it probably wasn't perfect because as, as it, you know, as you hang on to it, you're dragging it all over the place, you know, it becomes flawed. Now this one's not. Uh, I didn't. All of our cuddle toys at home are gone. I mean, they're probably with our kids or wherever, but they're all adults. So I didn't have any. I'm like, I need a cuddle toy for this message. So I call uh, one of our staff, uh, Nick Reedman, and he has all kind of cuddle toys with all these kids. Uh, in fact, he sent me a picture of all the all these bears and and cuddle toys, and, he, and I said, I'll take that one. All right, and so. He gave, me, he gave me this to show you. And I'm guessing you had one that you just kind of drug everywhere and, and some, of, some of your cuddle toys had holes in it. Some of it was torn. Some of it, if it was a bear or a rabbit or whatever, probably had one eye, you know. And, and it probably didn't smell so good. What is that? I mean, our dog has these little toys and, and, and sometimes I'll pick one up and it smells like a dead fish. I'm like, how do you do that? You know? But even though your toy wasn't perfect, you loved it, right? You loved it. Now, if you had a little bear similar to this one, you know what? You know that there's nothing really uh, of uh, value of this bear. It's not ex it wasn't expensive. It's not a collector's item, you know? Your bear was valuable to you, not because of how it looked. I mean, it may have been one eye and tongue sticking out or whatever. It, was not, it wasn't valuable because of somebody else, what they thought about it. 
You loved your bear because it was your bear, right? Isn't that right? And what I want you to understand here this morning is that is exactly how God sees you, and that's how God loves you. And so I'm going to set this bear right here so you'll just keep looking at it, and he'll keep looking at you, and you'll remember who you are. All right, so... The bear, the kettle toy, whatever it was, it was flawed, it was broken, it's imperfect, but God sees you flawed, broken, imperfect, it doesn't matter. He sees you and he loves you. you say, how do I know that? Romans chapter 5, verse 8, check it out with me. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still, what? While we were still sinners, while we were still flawed, while we were still broken and imperfect. God showed his great love for us. Don't leave here without hearing it. God loves you with an unconditional love, an immeasurable love. And God's great love uh, for you has already, it was already in place before the foundation of the world, the Bible says. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you any more or any less than he loves you right now. That's just who he, he loves you. And he loves, his, he showed great love for you by sending Christ to die for you. While you were still broken and flawed and imperfect, it's the kind of love that doesn't look for what's worthy in an object. But it's the kind of love that gives worth to that object. Are you with me? In other words, God doesn't love you because you're worthy, but because God loves you, God's love makes you worthy. Amen? That's good news. That's good news for all of us. You know, and I know some of you are still like, yeah, but Mark, you don't know all that I've done, all the bad stuff. I've done in my life. God could never love me. He could never see me as valuable. I love this quote from Paul Washer, who says, I've given Christ countless reasons not to love me. None of them changed his mind. <laughs> you can't change God's mind about you. His love for you is the same just like we sang yesterday, today, and forever, it's, it doesn't change. It's not based on whether you feel, whether or not you feel worthy. God's love makes you worthy. You see, God not only loves us, He is love. He is love. Love is not only what God does, it's who He is. It's, it's who he is by nature. Scripture tells us this in 1 John 4. Check it out. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is what? God is love. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his, his love. At least that's what I'm praying for each and every one of you today. You'll put your trust in his love. Again, here he says it. God is love. That's who he is. And all who live in love in God, and God lives in them. So, 
God is love. Say it with me. God is love. He is love. And this verse that I just read about, it says God is love, it's found in 1 John. Let's play a little Bible trivia together, all right? Are you ready? Who do you think wrote the book of 1 John? I know, some of you are thinking, oh, it's a trick question, right? No, it's not a trick question. John wrote this. And just to be clear, this, this isn't John the Baptist. Uh, he, he was in heaven by this time, John the Baptist was. This was the John who had a brother named James. They were both disciples of Jesus, but, and yet they were not what you would call good disciple material. All right? These guys didn't graduate top of their class. I mean, they, they, they weren't on their best behavior list. These guys were, were brash. They were loud. They were, they were rough characters. I mean, they, they were what you might call fishermen with a reputation. All right? In fact, they were given a nickname. Do you remember, remember what the nickname they, was that they gave to, to John and his brother? Yeah. There, it wasn't the two gentle lambs. That wasn't the nickname. It wasn't the Bible brothers. No. They were known as the sons of thunder. The sons of thunder. Now, we don't know all that they did to earn that title, but we get a glimpse of it in, in some scripture like Luke 9. Let me give you some background here for Luke 9. Jesus is coming into town with his disciples, and, and the people, they, they weren't being kind to Jesus. They weren't they weren't being welcoming to him. And because the people were not welcoming to Jesus, James and John, they didn't say, well, hey, let's just invite them to our life group anyway. They didn't say that. They didn't say, well, let's just make them feel welcome anyway. They didn't say that. What they did do is ask Jesus this. Check it out. Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? Should we just destroy them? I mean, let's just call down fire from heaven and turn them into crispy critters. All right? That's the sons of thunder. John was the guy who'd get kicked out of all of his kids' soccer games. All right? He's, he's that dad. He's the guy who, who looked for and found trouble wherever he went. And then one day he met Jesus. And he began to follow him. And he started spending time with Jesus. And every, every moment of every day, he was with him. And even though John didn't do anything to earn the love of Jesus, and even though there's no way he ever deserved the love of Jesus, Jesus simply loved John. And over time, little by little, John's identity the way he saw himself started to change. How do we know that? Well, because three times in his, his gospel, John referred to himself as, quote, the one that Jesus loved. That's who I am. Three times, I'm the one whom Jesus loves. He was no longer the sons of thunder. He was no longer John the hothead, you know? He was no longer John the screw-up, all right? He had found a, his new identity in Christ. Now, he was the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> I'm here to tell, I don't know, somebody needs to hear this. No matter what your parents said about you, 
No matter how somebody else made you feel, no matter how big a screw-up you think you've been, no matter what someone said about you, no matter what you've done, you are the one who Jesus loves. You're the one. You are the one. And don't just hear it in your mind, feel it in your heart. You are the one who Jesus loves. You know, Jesus told this story one time. He said, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, and will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? Why? Because the one missing is the one whom Jesus loves. <laughs> Love it. I don't know who needs to hear it, but I want you to hear it. I want, you to experience, I want you to see a real picture of who God is. God is love. He is a loving Father. You say, what, what does that look like? What is His love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 describes the love of God. Who He is. Love is God is patient. He's kind. He's not envy. He's not boast. He's not proud. He's not dishonor others. not self-seeking. He's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrong, loves us not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. He is always, he always protects, always trusts, believes the best in you, always hopes, always perseveres. That's who God is. If you've had a misconstrued conception of who God is, this is, rewrite this on the wallpaper of your mind. This is truth. God's patient. He's kind. That's the kind of loving father he is. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. He's protective of you. And here's my prayer for all of you. I used this in a funeral celebration of life that we did yesterday. But this is my prayer for you in Ephesians 3, 17. And I want you to hear it. I want you to experience it for yourself. I pray, this is the Apostle Paul, he said, I pray that your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong and may you have the power to understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to fully understand. You're the one. You're the one who Jesus loves. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been. It doesn't matter the regrets or the shame that you're carrying right now. You're still the one who Jesus loves. And I just want to invite you to experience it. And he's here. And so I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes with me, bow your head. And whether you're sitting here in church today or you're watching online, what I want you to do, I want you to just close your eyes with me just for a moment. And I want you to experience the love of the Father. And I want you to say it. I want you to say it, just softly say, I am the one that Jesus loves. Say it with me. I'm the one that Jesus, say say it with me, all of us together. I'm the one 
that Jesus loves. That isn't a statement of pride. That's a statement of truth. That's who God sees. He thinks of you. You're the one. That's how good God is. That's how loving he is. He is here. And he is actively loving you right at this moment. <laughs> and you know what? You may, you may be sitting there feeling unworthy of God's love because you're thinking of all the times that you've sinned, the times you've fallen short. But here's the good news of the gospel. This is why Jesus came. He said, I, I can't, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved. He loves you with a different kind of love than the world loves. It's not a love that loves because the object is just valuable. It's the kind of love that gives value to one that it's loving. He's loving you because he gives value to you. So here on this Father's Day, I pray that you would hear the truth, and I pray that you would experience the truth that your heavenly Father loves you. He believes in you. He is for you. He's not against you. And he's, he's saying, hey, let go of the shame. Let go of all the regrets. God says, I still love you. It's an unconditional kind of love. God's love for you is not based on your goodness. It's based on who he is. And he is love. And his love makes you worthy. His love gives value to you. The Bible says, whoever believes and calls upon the name of the Lord will be forgiven of their sins. And God says, I'll make all things new. He wants to make you new. He's inviting you. He says, I'll make, I'll make you brand new. You're, you're the one Jesus says that I love. If you're here this morning you're, or you're watching online and saying, I need, this is what I need. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I'm telling you, no matter who you are, what you've done, how far you think you've strayed, you are the one who Jesus loves. And right now you're making a decision. You're saying, hey, I'm, I'm in. I want to make a decision. Yes, I'm receiving. I want to receive his love. I want to invite him into my life and I'd like for him to renew my mind. And I want to be able to experience his love in my life and today I surrender my life to him. If that's you, you know what? If that's you, that's your prayer, would you just lift up your hand so I can pray with you all over the auditorium? Just yes, I see you. God sees you. He's, you're the one he loves. Yes, yes. Just say these words in your heart and mind with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. I receive it. Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save me. Make me brand new. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. 
so I can know your love and so I can show your love. Thank you for new life. God, I give you mine. I give you all myself to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Somebody better give God some praise for his goodness. And, huh? Amen. His grace. Come on, church. If you said yes to God today, I want to encourage you to take that step over the next at the yes table. There's some people over there that love you too and want to give you some information to help you grow. We'd like to do that online as well for you. You check that box, say, I've decided to follow Jesus, and we'll send you a new believer's Bible and help get you going in your faith and growing. Uh, we're going we're to sing about the love of the Father today. Let's stand together and do it.